Now all across North Carolina, it's Carolina Newsmakers. Here's your host, Don Curtis. Well, welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers, and we welcome back Tom Campbell. Tom Campbell has been a longtime associate, friend, and pal of mine for years. He, of course, was best known for being the creator, executive producer, and moderator of the TV program, the long-running TV program, North Carolina Spin on W on UNC TV. And uh, Tom, we we missed that broadcast. I think you just told me it was two years ago when you signed off the last program. After right. how many shows did you do? Eleven hundred and fifty-four. Eleven hundred and fifty-four shows. See, that proves that you know you can't hold on to a job. <laughs> Well, uh, my career record pretty well demonstrates that. <laughs> but you talk, uh, you talk about that. I remember the newspaper article that was written about you, and you were described as a boy wonder when you first oh, built a television uh, radio station in Cherryville, and then from there all over Eastern Carolina. And so, you know, somebody ought to be roasting you. <laughs> well, I've been roasted and toasted. Jason, let's do that. Let's put together a Don Curtis roast. Oh, okay. no. We, that's yeah, about the last thing we need to do. I, the, there are a lot of those memories I don't want to remember. <laughs> I know, but you need to. <laughs> Pain is good. <laughs> uh, well, enough of that. Let's talk about what's going on today. And, you know, there's, there's uh, I want to talk about Medicaid expansion, but, uh, Tom, we were talking about how uh, things change. Would you have thought 10 years ago we would have even been thinking about legalizing any form of marijuana, let alone medical marijuana? But uh, the General Assembly is uh, certainly looking at that issue. And uh, uh, But there's lots of other issues that 10 years ago I think we probably wouldn't have looked at at all. Uh, I just uh, had my uh, high school reunion, and we were looking back at things that, that were normal back in 1950 and 1960 that have gone away, like S&H, green stamps, and things like that. Sunday blue laws, you mentioned. Blue yeah. laws, yeah, yeah, and all that sort of thing. But let's talk about the General Assembly and uh, uh, and exactly what they're doing, especially uh, let's first talk about mer- medical marijuana, and then we'll talk about Medicaid expansion. Well, first of all, on medical marijuana, um, you know, we are, we're late to the party there because so many other states have already approved medical marijuana, and and frankly, it is a precursor of approving marijuana. So I, I think that it's kind of like the old laws that we had on alcohol in North Carolina, where we had brown bagging laws. And then uh, it took forever. And you might remember uh, old Coy Privet, uh, Privet or Privet, whatever his name was, who was in the legislature and just was a Southern Baptist and we were not going to pass liquor by the drink in North Carolina. Well, guess what we did. And so I think it's the same type of process. It's like this legalized gambling stuff um, with college sports. I think it's a precursor to the day when we're going to have casinos in North Carolina. They're not just all going to be on Indian reservations. Um, or, or in Kings Mountain. Or <laughs> it's questionable whether that's on an Indian reservation or not. It's questionable whether it's in North Carolina or not, but anyway. Uh, but I think I, I think that as mores change, as as the culture changes, as time changes, and as attitudes change with them, um, some will say that the the culture and the society has gotten a great deal more permissive and promiscuous. But 
this is a this is an issue whose time has come. Uh, it's going to get approved, whether it gets approved right now or not. Uh, it's going to get approved, and it will not be many more years. Hopefully, you and I will still be alive uh, when the day comes that, that such things as marijuana sales uh, are approved. Not that you ever used it or I ever used it, but that people that there are people who do and did. Um, I just think that's one of those situations where uh, we're going to see it pass, and uh, the legislature is rightfully reluctant to get too far out in front of the curve on on a lot of issues. But I think this is one that is going to happen, and I think that and and look at the endorsements that that it's gotten. Look how many organizations have approved it, uh, particularly medical uh, type organizations have approved it for pain control. So, yeah, I think that's going to happen. Let's talk now about Medicaid expansion because that has been on the table, off the table, on the table. Where does it stand now, and uh, what will it mean to North Carolina? Well, truthfully, I've never. Yes, I do understand why we didn't do it. You know, when they passed the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, if you want to call it that, when they passed that, they also allowed for uh, what was supposedly a temporary exemption for states to be able to expand their Medicare, Medicaid roles. Now, why is this important? Uh, there are a number of people in North Carolina who do not earn the income and do not have any kind of health insurance. And so therefore, what ends up with happening with these people is when they get, first of all, they put off going to doctors because they can't afford it. But then when they do go to the doctors, they, they require a great deal more treatment than they would have if they'd have gone, you know, maybe a week or two before. Uh, or the other option is they go into our emergency departments in the hospitals. In fact, I think you, I remember you used to serve on the UNC hospital board uh, some years ago. Yeah. The amount of indigent care, the federal government has a law which says nobody who shows up at their door can be refused treatment and service, particularly for not being able to pay for it. So they got to treat them. And uh, this they call it indigent care, and this indigent care is a growing amount of money every year. Well, part of what makes so much sense for Medicaid expansion is twofold, I think. First of all, it will allow people who do not have any medical insurance whatsoever to be added to the rolls. Now, my understanding is originally when they first started talking about it, they were saying it was going to be as many as 500,000 people in North Carolina. Um, we've expanded some Medicare rules, and uh, I'm now told that somewhere around 200,000 people in North Carolina would be added to the Medicaid rolls. Uh, so they, there will be people who will be able to have access to health care who don't feel that they have access to it now. The other part of it, though, is it, it's going to take a huge burden off of our hospitals. And, and whereas we've got hospitals like UNC that uh, they're healthy and they generate lots of dollars and generally have a fair uh, amount of cash reserves, there are an awful lot of rural, small uh, county hospitals in North Carolina that don't have that kind of uh, balance sheet and don't have that kind of financial strength. This will help them immeasurably because Instead of having to pr 
provide this health care as indigent care, they will get compensation back from the federal government on Medicaid. Now, the curious thing about it is when it was first offered, uh, and, and it was shortly after, if you remember, it was shortly after uh, uh, 2011 when the Republicans took over state uh, control of state government, the General Assembly in North Carolina. When it happened, there were a number of people who just said, I don't want anything to do with it because it's got Obama's uh, stamp on it. It's, it's, it, it's, it smells of Obama and we don't want anything to do with Barack Obama. And that stayed the, the case uh, for a number of years, but increasingly a number of states, uh, Republican controlled states signed on for this Medicare, a uh, Medicaid expansion. Now, the deal was that the federal government would pay 90 cents of every dollar of care for Medicaid and that uh, the states would be responsible for 10 percent. Well, uh, another aspect of this was, well, we don't know how long the federal government's going to do it. They may renege on this. Uh, they may change the formula instead of offering 90 cents reimbursement. They, they may take it down to more like what the regular Medicaid uh, reimbursement is, which is around 65 to 70 cents on the dollar. Uh, and we just don't know about that. And we don't want our state to incur a, a huge ongoing liability going forward. Well, I think time has proved that uh, the old adage that once you offer a, a public benefit to people, you can't take it back. Uh, and, and evidence of that is Social Security and Medicare for, for elder, uh, elderly people. Um, it's not going to go away. Uh, now, I don't know how the government's going to pay for it, and I think that's another issue for another day. <laughs> finally, they got to a point where the House uh, was willing to approve Medicaid expansion, uh, even when it was as many as 300,000 people to expand. But the Senate wouldn't hear anything to do with it. And uh, everybody was just beating on Senator Berger and all of the, the senators. And you got to give us Medicaid expansion, close the coverage gap, make sure people get the treatment that they need. Finally, uh, Senator Berger and the, the Senate leadership decided that they would go along with it and with two provisions. The first one being that we would eliminate North Carolina's certificate of need laws. Well, certificate of need is something that was passed in the 60s or 70s where a government had to approve every new hospital bed and every new operating room and uh, every new health care kind of uh, treatment center. Uh, and frankly, it's archaic, needs to be eliminated, needed to have been eliminated for years. Uh, candidly, the hospitals uh, have, have been on both sides of that issue and medical providers have been, but it needs to be eliminated. And so uh, uh, Berger says, okay, I will, I will approve Medicaid expansion, but we're gonna get rid of certificate of need. Well, there are not any tears being shed over that, not many anyway. The other thing he said though, and this is causing some uh, pushback, and I think it's part of the problem uh, so far as the house is concerned. The thing with that is he wants to expand uh, the, the uh, rights of service for nurses. As it stands now, nurse practitioners and physicians assistants and people of that uh, that have a little bit higher um, 
credentials, They're a little bit more than just a regular nurse or whatever, um, they have to serve under an MD. And the MD is supposed to approve any and everything uh, that they do or give them permission to do it uh, supposedly prior to that. It doesn't work that way. It hasn't worked that way for years. However, expanding uh, the, the amount of service that these providers can give is causing some heartburn, particularly from the North Carolina Medical Association and other uh, care providers who don't think we ought to just throw open the doors and let nurses do whatever uh, they need to do. And uh, it's kind of a Pandora's box type situation. So now we've got a situation where, where the House was willing to approve it and the Senate wasn't. Now the Senate's willing to approve it and the House is balking. So who knows, Don? It's crazy. Well, you've uh, uh, wrapped that uh, issue up very well and just in time because our segment is coming to an end. Thank you very much for your perfect timing. Uh, We'll be back with another segment with Tom Campbell, our guest here on Carolina Newsmakers this week. And we're going to turn to just sort of a look at uh, the past election that we just had. Brad Crone was on a couple, has been on and is discussing, but we'll get Tom's views. And we'll do that when we return with the next segment of Carolina Newsmakers right here on this group of stations. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Climb puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. My mother was very familiar with her neighborhood, but one day she stopped at the stop sign and she wasn't even really sure where she was at. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest this week is Tom Campbell. Tom has been on our program dozens of times through the years, and uh, back before he 
really lost his uh, good senses and good judgment. At one time, he was actually a broadcaster owning and operating radio stations. Then he sort of got carried away with doing uh, things in front of the camera and that sort of thing. And at one point in time, of course, Tom was also the assistant treasurer for the state of North Carolina. So he's done a, a number of interesting things in his career. And Don, I tell people, I tell people all the time, uh, I was on television for 21 years, but I will tell you, I much prefer radio to television. It is a much more personal medium. I mean, you, you have a closer connection to your listeners and get more instant feedback from them. And you don't have to put on makeup. Well, I have a wonderful face for radio anyway. Well, that's, that's the reason (laughs) that's the reason I'm in radio is I have a face for radio. Uh, that was uh, John D. Loudermilk, who wrote a, uh, from Durham, North Carolina, wrote 40 million seller records, including Talkback, Trembling Lips, Abilene, A Rose and a Baby Ruth, and many, many others. But uh, he wanted to be a performer, and Chad Atkins called him in one day and said, John, you're a writer, and you're a good one, and you're not a performer, and there's a reason for that. You've got a face to be a writer. <laughs> uh well, let's let's talk. Let's sort of wrap things up by talking about something that we've talked about. Sort of, we've hit it in a number of ways already. But uh, this general uh, thing of where do people get their information? Apathy, uh, opinion versus facts. Uh, this this whole thing is uh, getting to be a real difficult situation. Where uh, Twenty years ago, we had uh, television stations, and people watched in droves the six o'clock news, the network news. Uh, those numbers are declining. Uh, we now have all these multiple uh, sources of information, many, many cable channels, all of which seem to be uh, taking a very decided point of view, and their news is certainly slanted toward that direction. Uh, and then we have seen the influence of the newspaper just about completely die away the local newspaper so tom where do you think we're going with where we get our information and how we process it well i worry about that don because i you know irrespective uh the newspaper had a very valuable purpose and provided a very valuable service uh for for years and years and years and, and was well read Yes, and, and, and well-respected because of the fact that the coverage they provided generally uh, was pretty straight up, straightforward, not biased all that much. I was interested, by the way, while you were talking, I, I brought to mind, CNN has gotten a new head now of their news network. And one of the things that he said was he wants to move that network away from the biased uh, reporting and talk show hosting to more of they're, they're calling this term. There's a big term that's going on in the media right day now today called nuance. Uh, is it unnuanced or is it nuanced? If it's nuanced, Fox news, for instance, is nuanced. There is just no question in the world. When you watch Fox, what you're going to be seeing the same is true with MSNBC, uh, and, and, uh, some of the other, uh, outlets that are available. And what this new head of CNN says he wants to do is he wants to move them back toward, even though they're going to probably continue doing the talk shows, because that's a pretty cheap way to produce uh, television, frankly, and uh, they make a lot of money off of it. 
uh, they're going to continue to do it, but he wants to do it so that the biases uh, of the host and of the guests that are on it uh, are less obvious and or more balanced. And I applaud him for that. And I, I wish him well in that effort because, frankly, I think it is it is something the public deserves. And I hope that people will tune in and and watch it. And through the audience numbers, you'll find out that he was, in fact, right about it. But otherwise, um, you, you were absolutely correct in saying earlier in the program, people self-select the news that confirms the biases that they already had. Well, OK, let's let's chase that rabbit for a minute. Uh, how are you learning anything if all you're doing is just watching sources that confirm uh, what you already believed? How are you going to grow any insofar as opinions are concerned? And and by the way, this applies to whether you're on the left or the right. Uh, I I happen to think I'm one who is more moderate in the center. That's how I'd like to be anyway. Um, but how are you ever going to uh, make a difference so far as the, the attitudes of the people are concerned? What we got right now is demagogues who come on and yell and scream at us. And if they do it loud enough and often enough um, and fre- uh, frequently enough, uh, sooner or later, you get people to believe a lie. It doesn't make any difference whether you know there's any truth or any factuality to it or not. You just keep repeating it. Well, that's how Adolf Hitler took over Germany, if you remember, um, by telling the Germans that the Aryan race was by far the superior race and that Jews were an inferior group of people and uh, all of this kind of stuff. Um, I hope we can get to a point where uh, we are more discriminating uh, than some of the stuff that we are hearing and seeing. Uh, oh, you know, one of the things that uh, I'm going to, uh, remind you of uh, uh, because you go back to that area where you were Tom Terrific as a disc jockey. That was your name on the air. Tom, Tom Terrific on the radio. Okay, but the FCC had a rule at that point in time that all federally licensed radio stations and our TV stations had to do at least 5% of their total programming and news. Now, what that required was that even local stations, like stations in Kings Mountain and, and uh, uh, Wilson and Rocky Mountain, so yeah, forth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the only way to meet that requirement was to do five minutes of news every hour. And so the public was force-fed facts about uh, world and national news, uh, national news, international news, and state news. They were force-fed. They had to listen to it. And it wasn't biased presentations of it. Oh, no. No, we were reading it right straight off Associated, Associated Press. Press. Rip and read is what yeah. we called it. But uh, because they were forced, they got interested in it. And uh, so I, I go back and say this, this period of apathy actually started when the commission allowed, uh, especially cable channels and also radio and TV stations, to do away with that 5% rule. Of course, you know, the cable channels don't worry about 5%. They do it 100%. Well, but, but there's also another rule, Don, that you remember that was very, very important in, in this, and they had what they called the fairness rule. The, the fairness doctrine. Equal, yeah. equal time rule. In other words, if you took a stance on an issue and uh, in your newscast or editorials or whatever like that, 
you had to be willing to allow someone from the other side to come on and have a same amount of time as what you took to rebut it. Yep. Reagan, during Reagan's term, they got rid of the fairness doctrine. Uh, and, and frankly, I think that was one of the biggest mistakes that's ever been made in, in North Carolina or in, in the nation as far as broadcasting and television. And then the other thing that I think was a, a huge mistake was they virtually have no controls whatsoever over cable no, and, no, even, and even no. less than that over social media, Facebook, yeah. And Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm sorry, but I do, I'm, I'm of the opinion that there need to be some checks and balances. There needs to be some controls. If, if the federal government is going to give you a license to operate that radio station, because theoretically they're public airways. If they're going to give you that license, there ought to be a corresponding responsibility for what you do with that license. Well, I mean, the whole uh, free enterprise uh, became the the, uh, the way of the uh, way of life in broadcasting, and basically it became the only way that commercial broadcasting could compete with That's cable right. because cable, right. as you said, had no rules whatsoever. Oh, they didn't, yeah. and and I never did understand. Uh, why cable was allowed to get by with, I mean, as a broadcaster, I looked at it and, and started thinking, hey, listen, how come you're giving these folks free ticket to do stuff? Because you can say what you want to, but cable essentially is licensed. You remember the day when the local city granted the franchise to a company to uh, open up the cable system. Yep. So uh, I, I don't know. I Will we ever return to a time when there is re-regulation of public media? I don't know. I don't know whether there's enough. I don't know whether enough people with enough backbone to be able to even suggest it or do it. Well, it's certainly not something that's going to happen in a highly partisan period of time as we are now, because whichever party is in control would try to slant it their way. So it wouldn't be fair. Yeah. And um, and, and both, you know, I'm a registered independent, and I can tell you that both parties, when they're in charge, are going to try to control it. Uh, listen, they, they've all got feet of clay. They're about the same. They're just coming from it uh, just different positions. Yeah, and uh, and this is the reason so many people are registering as unaffiliates, and now that's become what the uh, the largest political group in North Carolina is unaffiliated. Yes. Yep. And it's going to grow even larger. Yeah. Part of the reason for that, frankly, is that I think people are realizing that political parties don't really have any purpose anymore anyway. I mean, essentially, they're just fundraising machines to funnel money to candidates. What, uh, bothers, me most, what bothers me most about that is all the unaffiliateds are actually taking themselves out of the possibility of serving in office. Okay. And this is something that our, our state needs to do very badly, and I'll, I'll hit it very quickly. We need to change the laws of North Carolina to allow an unaffiliated person. Ballot access rules need to be changed so that you don't have to sign all these thousands of petitions in order to be able to gain access to the ballot in the elections. And we can do that, but it's going to take, uh, it's take again, some people with backbone to do it. And the two political parties aren't willing to allow it because they don't want anybody playing in their playhouses. I mean, as it is right now, you either are a Republican or a Democrat. Uh, 
unaffiliated should be able to get their names on a ballot and run for office and stand a chance of winning elections if their ideas are good. And I mean, just the, the, the number of people that are taking themselves out of the possibility yes. of serving in public service is it's a huge number now, and that's uh, that's not good. That's just well, certainly what, not so. Good. What's happening now is if you decide you want to run for public office, then you change your political affiliation and you become a Democrat or a Republican. Yeah, well, that's kind of two faced. Well, and not only that, but then the party says, "Well, he wasn't a real Democrat yeah. or a real." Republican. He's a rhino yeah. or Dino or whatever. Well, our time is all gone. Tom Campbell, thank you so much for being with us on Carolina Newsmakers. We'll look forward to you being back. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and do just that. Uh, Our guest uh, will be back with us again soon, I hope. And until that time, we hope that you and yours have a very good week. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.